It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can check him out on the Best Coast Boys Podcast. Landon, we had our first uh, glimpse of Cowboys football. We had a preseason game. Uh, how does it feel to have football back? Man, it's it's crazy because we you know it's like we get stepped up to real football. You know, we get the training camp, we get OTAs and the training camp, and then preseason football, which is close to real football, but obviously you know not quite the same quality. Right. But it was good. You know, it was good just to see. Dak out there slinging it. It was good just to see, you know, the defense running around, being physical. Uh, we're going to talk all about it, but just generally, it was good to be watching football again. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we can call that real football. That was about the ugliest preseason game I can ever remember. I think they said the 49ers set a record for most penalty yards in a preseason game with like 280-something. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous, but uh, we have football to talk about. So today, we are going to break down our winners and losers uh, from the Cowboys' first preseason game. Uh, and I'll go ahead and, and give my winner, and it's kind of a, a, a sad winner because uh, Luke Gifford, a linebacker, um, who was kind of fighting to make the roster. We talked about him a couple of times on this show. Uh, I, I thought he was fantastic in the game. He had two tackles. He had, obviously had a pass deflection and the interception. Um, he was just all over the field. Unfortunately, he suffered a from what it sounds like, a pretty severe high ankle in, or high ankle sprain. Um, it's not necessarily that it would keep him out for the rest of the season, but with you know a guy like Gifford, they may decide to kind of stash him on IR for a season. Um, I, I was just really excited because it looked like the Cowboys found another quality linebacker at the end of the depth chart. Um, just later, what are your kind of thoughts on Luke Gifford and maybe your you know maybe what you think the Cowboys might do with him now that he's injured? Yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate, and I think it was, for Gifford, it was kind of the culmination of a, of a really good week of practice, too. And, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's one of the things you want to see from these guys is how well they're taking it from practice into the game. And, and Gifford was one of the guys who uh, I think kind of successfully uh, had navigated that. And uh, it really had shown something in the game. Not even just that one interception. I mean, like I think he had had several different tackles, a pass deflection. It's all over the field. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was he was really uh, he was showing a, a lot of different uh, you know versatility to do a lot of different things. So uh, yeah. So what do they do with them now? What, what are they? I yeah, mean, is is I it think, a kind of a blessing in disguise? Because you look sure it can be. You know, yeah, you, I mean, you, if it's one of those things that if you're willing to kind of IR him and just just really just hold on to his rights. I mean, the problem is is that. Even if he was healthy and he performed well, then you really have a problem because now you, you kind of don't know what you're going to do with the guy. Um, you know, 
I mean, you, look, you, look, here's my thing. Like, if you don't think Sean Lee's probably going to be here next year, and I think it's reasonable to assume yeah. that this is probably his last year. Sure. You know, maybe Gipper takes his spot next year as kind of that third or fourth linebacker, the sure. special teams yeah. guy. Uh, this year, there's probably just not a spot because you have, obviously, the top two. You have Sean Lee. You still have Joe Thomas, who they're trying to find different ways to get on the field. You have Justin Marshall-Lillard and Chris Covington. Even if he made the roster, there's not. it's not a lock that he would be active on game days, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why I think that, you know, they're, they're probably going to find a way to IRM, you know, and then... You know, I guess either with the idea of either bringing him back or seeing if they'd have to bring him back because, uh, you know, for me, I think I don't really know what they have specifically in mind. But to me, I think it would be in high order to to give him a a, a redshirt year, essentially. I mean, I, I think they have a lot of depth at the position already, so it's not like they absolutely need him. You know, I mean, he's he, and he's not, you know, quite that level of good yet either. I think he a year of seasoning would help him significantly. Um, but I think that, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily a guy that you're going to have to bring back, uh, you know, at some point later in the season. Maybe you do. Maybe he is a guy that, you you know, if there's injuries or something, you do bring him back. But I, I do think IR is in order because if you want to hold on to him, the, the problem is is that the injury is kind of short. It's it's just long enough that you can't really just try to carry him to the season. Right. It's um, unfortunate. It's it's yeah. really too bad for him. Well, I mean, it, it actually works out for the Cowboys to a certain degree, like it you does. said, because I think for them, they get to retain a guy who they are excited to see a year from now or whenever he gets back. Um, but yeah, I think at this point he's going to be on some. He's going to be put on some roster somewhere, and then hopefully they're just going to try to. You know, retain his rights for another year. Right. And if they need to, they'll pull him back. But I think really it's about you know the future with this kid. All right, let's go ahead and talk about a loser. Um, and I actually, I have mixed opinions on this one, but I want to talk about John Van. It's Johnson. pretty harsh. It's pretty harsh to call them a I know. loser. Like, it's I know. just like but, a loser in the game. Let's but, just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm John Van <laughs> Johnson was somebody who a lot of people were really excited about. Um, you know, he had some fantastic practices, but he gets onto the field for the first preseason game, and the performance was really up and down. He had two drops. Uh, I know some people were, you know, kind of making fun of him on Twitter about let's not get excited about these pre or the training camp wide receivers ever again, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I actually went back this morning and I rewatched him because I was interested. Um, and he was better than I thought. It, the drops are obviously a bad thing, but. It's not very often that you see a receiver with his size create that kind of quick separation. You saw him get down the field. Um, you, you, there was a really nice pass they had on a corner route where he got his feet in bounds. He kind of drug the back toe. Um, so I, very up and down. But I actually came away from that game a little more encouraged than I was, let's say, 24 hours ago. But, uh, Lynn, what are your thoughts on John Bea Johnson against the 49ers? You know, the thing is, is that with, with with these wide receivers, and I was talking about it with John too on on, on the other pod. I, I think the problem you you run into with is that there are there are seemingly these guys every season, right? These these right. undrafted free agents who I, I think that John Vea Johnson's better than most of those. In fact, all of them. I mean, outside of even maybe Lance Lenore. 
Yes, even Lancenor. Oh, uh, outside of maybe you know an, uh, Miles Austin or you know someone that actually ended up making the team and doing stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll see. But I, I think that you know he's shown in training camp a propensity to, to do everything and, and show up and, and and perform. The thing that's troubling, and this is what I was mentioning with John, is that his when he's when he screws up when. Um, when he has his his downsides, it's it's a lot like Brett Maher, where the, the worst comes out when he's supposed to be shining the brightest, mm. and that's problematic. You know, like I mean, it's like with Maher, he's missing the kicks during compete period when he's lining up for a game, a quote unquote game winner. You know, and and for John Vay Johnson, he's making every catch in practice, he's doing everything they ask, he's being spectacular in practice, and then in the blue white scrimmage, and now in, in the first preseason game, he has I think two drops in each of those. Mm-hmm. So yep. uh, that both of them were drops, I believe, on third down, where it's like, hey, yeah. you catch this ball, you you get the first down, instead we're punting. Yeah, and again, I think that for him, a lot of it were was concentration jobs, which I, I, I don't know, it's not any better or worse than anything else, but I think that's what it is. It's not a technique problem, or anything yeah. Like that. And I think for me, it, the, the the thing I, I keep kind of going back to is that, you know, he. He has, you know, usually with these guys, you have their athleticism is such that they're overcoming, you know, whatever, and they're and they're able to kind of find a way to uh, you know, overcome bad technique in order to win, and, and their youth and their speed or whatever. Or it's the opposite; they're they're kind of non-athletic guys that you know, and, and this is why they're undrafted free agents, by the way, is because if, if they were both. You don't usually they get drafted, right? And so you're either an under you're a complete freak athlete, and you've you know been slipped through the cracks because you don't have technique, or you're a technique freak who just doesn't really have the you know, or or does assume that you don't have the requisite athleticism to play in the NFL. John Vay Johnson, I think, has actually has the athleticism and the skills, and and that's what it, you know he slipped through the cracks because of a really deep wide receiver class. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that that's the thing that's so interesting about it is that to me, um, I, I feel like he has what it takes to do this. These drops are not great, and he has to figure out a way to stop them. But, I mean, these it's unfortunate because these drops that we're seeing are really the only downside to what we've seen of John Vay Johnson all of camp. You know, like, he hasn't had terrible bad... He hasn't really had bad days in camp, really, outside of the the scrimmage and the game. And now, these are the times when we're trying to weigh this stuff the most, so it's it's problematic, like I said. But I, I think, you know... Overall, I'm not writing John Bayer Johnson off because no, of this. Like, I mean, he's been too good throughout camp. I think what it means, though, now is that we're back to a spot where I feel like the top four spots of the wide receiver group are kind of solidified. And now that the rest of everybody else is kind of John Vay Johnson isn't separated himself in that group anymore. Now they're all kind of in it together, and it's it's a race to the finish. And I even kind of feel like after listening to Stephen Jones, I don't remember what day it was, but last week say, you know, we feel really good about our top four, or we've got four NFL players, uh, and then when Noah Brown gets healthy, uh, that's yeah. five. So I mean. As much as we like some of these guys down the roster, they they still have high hopes for Noah Brown that he's going to become a maybe a, a solid number three or four receiver here in the near future. Um, but really quickly, not writing off John Vea Johnson, we see this all the time with uh, UDFA receivers. It takes them a couple games before they kind of settle down, 
into the preseason. I, I'm sure we'll see a better player next week. And then there'll be another transition if and when he makes it to the NFL. There's probably going to be some pretty rough spots. But what I was most excited about was, again, that ability to win quickly off the line of scrimmage. If you look at his two drops, yeah, the defenders weren't anywhere close to him. Like no. he, he was open. Uh, he and that's won what, that third down, uh, that third down rep, and was you know I mean, looking open. to run, see how far he could run because he right. was so open. If he once he got the ball in his hands, absolutely, and that's that's what drives me excited. And, and again, real quick before we move on, I, I I do think we should point out that it's it's worth noting that you know he bounced back in both of those games sure. from that. So I, I think that's worth something because I do think sometimes you see these guys lose these reps in big games and they and they get down on themselves and they you know it kind of snowballs on them. Uh, John Vea Johnson was is able was able to bounce back in both the blue white scrimmage and this game and 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 at least do something yeah. positive before leaving the game. Yeah, absolutely. He had the the sixteen yard reception, I believe, and then he he drew the pass interference at the end of the game to. Uh, to at least give the Cowboys a shot in the red zone to tie it. Um, let's go ahead and talk about another winner. Uh, one of the guys I wrote down was Joe Jackson. Uh, I know a lot of people on Twitter were kind of making fun of some of the tweets I might have had earlier back in the draft season about Joe Jackson, kind of talking about his athleticism. But uh, I was thoroughly surprised by Jackson. I thought he played really well. Uh, he had some incredible rushes. He played well uh, in the run game. Uh, Landon, what were your takeaways from watching the Cowboys' fifth-round rookie? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think he really he's one of those guys that has shown up once the pads have come on. I mean, clearly he's one of these guys who uh, he loves the physical part of the game. Uh, he's he he hustles, he sprints to the ball every time. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, this is a guy who plays a lot like how Marinelli likes, and and, mm-hmm. and I think one of the things that is uh, I like about him is that. Uh, he's not useless if he gets off the ball high. Like, if you're going to stand toe-to-toe with him, as opposed to some guys you see, you're not going to win from long. He, this dude is too big and strong up top to wrestle with for too long. And eventually, right. I, I think that he's going to be a guy who... I've been thinking about this a lot lately, that I feel like you know we talk about how people rush at different levels of uh, of depth. I think that there's something to the idea of having guys who rush at different angles, not, and, yeah, not yeah. speed, but like I think that there's something to having guys on the field that win quickly, but also having guys on the field that are good at winning late. Because right, I right. think you know, there's just more opportunities, more windows for you to get a sack. And I think that you know, if you have a whole bunch of guys who win early, if they all lose early, the quarterback can just stand there and you know throw or, the ball and wait. Or wait. they all, or they all win behind the quarterback. Like sometimes we'll yeah. see with like Randy Gregory or Robert Quinn. Uh, that's why I think like a combination. Just really quickly, like Marcus no, Lawrence and Tyrone Crawford work well together because yeah. they can win in different ways, right? Crawford the same way doesn't stay blocked. Locked, you know, right, like he, right. he can't stay blocked. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's that's exactly it. Is I think Joe Johnson is one of these guys who won't stay blocked, and he's going to hustle the entire time. He's going to give full effort, and he's so strong and just kind of mean. That yeah, I, I think it, he, the, you know, this is he's one of those guys whose game is eligible for better analysis once the preseason starts because he needs mm-hmm. that kind of full contact to fully unleash his game, just like some other safeties I feel like we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm, that's a good little segue. Uh, let's take a break, and we will come right back, and we'll talk about another loser. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? 
Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence that you need. Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free right now. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Landon, let's talk about the backup quarterbacks. We might, we might have a, uh, a different opinion here, um, but I want to talk about Cooper Rush and Mike White. Uh, I thought Cooper Rush was okay. It, it, wasn't a, it wasn't his best performance, but I thought he was fine. Uh, Mike White, on the other hand, oof, uh, we were hoping to see you know, him take a, take a leap in his second year. Uh, I certainly did not see that. He went 9-20 for 87 yards, 4.4 yards in attempt. Uh, through five preseason games, he has yet to have a game with he, where he averaged over six yards in attempt. Uh, just kind of feels like he's afraid to throw the ball down the field. Obviously, the mobility is a problem. Uh, you know, we kind of knew that coming into the league that he he's not going to be one who's going to make plays outside the pocket. He needs a solid pocket in order to make plays, and that's part of the reason why he's struggling. But uh, just kind of give me your thoughts on the Cowboys' backup quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in general, I think in general, you, you you kind of have to throw the numbers out on on in preseason, and especially a quarterback, because I just feel like. Especially for the down roster, early preseason guys, I just feel like now it's 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 not it's really not indicative of of how they're playing because you, just because of all the hodgepodge of people that are in there. Now, the thing about what you said is that the the visual, um, you, what you saw on Mike White reflects what you what you described. Uh, it, Statistically, you know what I'm saying. So, mm. so that works out with Mike White. You're right. Like, it, it, clearly, the guy's processor hasn't picked up. Uh, he's just not seeing it fast enough. You know, I mean, he's, I mean, he's standing there still in the pocket, and um, you know, they're, they're, you know, Hyatt definitely got was getting murdered at times and, and not giving him much time. But I, I also think a, a good portion of it was. You know he's he's just not getting rid of the ball uh, at the speed that he needs to. He's not going through possession uh, the progressions right, the way he needs right. to. Um, I I actually think that I actually think that Cooper Rush had a good game. Um, you know more than just an okay game because I, I, I think that if you go back and look, like he you know he's throwing the ball with great command. He's stepping up in the pocket. He's just he's just leading uh, the offense with great command. And again, he's still dealing with that a similar offensive line that Mike White is. Maybe a little bit better tackles. Um, and and he, you know, to be fair to Cooper, there are guys that are in there with him that. I, I are supposed to be of better quality than you know his team, better than second team wide receivers. You would hope 
because what we've seen of John Vea Johnson and John and guy like John Vea Johnson just you know let him down with at least two different drops. One of which that I think if if, if John Vea Johnson catches that third and two slant where he was so wide open, and I mean because because Cooper put it right on him, uh, he he was gonna just he was gonna keep running for a while, and so yeah. I think we would all yeah. look at the stats of what was going on with Cooper a lot differently, you know, and because he might have even scored a touchdown. So I, I just think that if you take the individual performances on what the, what they actually did, uh, you know, on the field and what they were for, uh, faced with and, and the actual context of what was going on, I, I think that, to me, that was a very stable performance. Uh, uh, a performance by Cooper Rush. I'm happy with what I saw, and uh, I feel a ton better about stepping into the season with him as my backup quarterback than I did last year, for sure. And, that, and, and that's fair. I, I'm just I'm out on Mike White. I it, agree. It, I, oh, I, I I listen. I I came when I came into camp this year. I all it took was two or three practices. Uh, from yeah, you, sometimes you just know it, you can just. Well, he just hasn't gotten any better. I mean, the the problems yeah. that he had that last year. They they hadn't really they didn't seem to have improved at all, so I, I just don't no. know where, you know how that's gonna get better. I mean I don't know how much more time they have to wait around for it to get better. You know? uh, I, I agree. All right, um, let's do one more winner, one more loser. The winner that we have to talk about another rookie, uh, Donovan Wilson. Uh, I know a lot of people are excited about Wilson, and I think you're starting to see why there's some some healthy optimism. Uh, he had the interception. You saw him flying around the field. Uh, you know, what were just some of your takeaways from the Cowboys' six-round safety? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know this was going to be the time that we were going to start seeing you know him, and I I you know maybe he didn't have as many big flashy plays, but I thought George Iloka finally showed up too. Like I mean, he was in there yeah, mixing. Before he it. got hurt, it's too bad he got hurt. Yeah, but. and and I, he was in there mixing it up. Uh, with you know, with down in the box with, with offensive linemen and uh, stymieing, pulling offensive linemen that are coming at him, and just you know looked like a good operator down in the box in a way that we have it feels like we haven't had in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you know this was again. I still think the training camp is a better way to evaluate um, a majority of these positions, uh, or maybe not, but a, a good portion of these uh, these positions are. Are better evaluated in training camp just because I don't think they show as much in preseason, which I, I think was interesting yeah. as well. We didn't see any motion, like at, almost at no, all. No, no. So I, I, that was clearly by design. So um, that's that's very fascinating. But I, I think along those lines, one of the positions that you do really get a better look at in in the game uh, is strong safety. I think linebacker as well, maybe even running back. Um, mm-hmm. These these positions that are very contact heavy, so um, I, I think that the with with Wilson, you know, getting in there, being able to mix it up physically helped him a lot. For you know, he, he was able to read the quarterback's eyes really well and be where he needed to be to get that interception. I like Donovan Wilson a lot. I, I really like what his body type could do for uh, a defense if he could play at a level that they could you know rely on him to play defense. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to replace Kevon Frazier, right? That, that's that's the arc here for Donovan Wilson. Well, right? yeah, I mean, I, I I just I don't feel like we've seen anything from Kevon, so I, I don't know that I don't know where we go from here with him. So right, uh, yeah. Uh, 
I'm gonna see how uh, excited to see how Donovan Wilson is gonna play in his next preseason game. I want to see the consistency from game to game. But as of right now, I think it's it's fair to wonder if he could be this this team's fourth safety uh, this year. Um, finally, our last loser that's maybe the most depressing of them all, uh, Brett Maher. Uh, if you felt like the Cowboys really wanted to see a strong performance from Maher, uh, you wanted to see you know certain situations in the game where he could make some kicks. Uh, made his first three field goals, I believe, two field goals, uh, which I think one was from like 27 yards, one was from 40 yards, and then he missed another short one uh, inside of 30 yards. So I think, you know, if you were panicking before about Brett Maher, I think you probably are getting a little bit closer to saying, hey, let's move on, find somebody else. Uh, Lana, what are your your feelings on Maher now that we saw him in the preseason? I mean, nothing's really changed. it's. I mean, that's that's what he was doing. This is what we've been talking about. Like, this is what he's been doing in training camp. It's not like he did anything. It's not like he got worse. This is. It's just been the same. Well, this, this is the same was. player we saw last year, though, too, right? It, it's just he could be, have long stretches where he looks really good, and then he can get into some stretches where you have no confidence that he can even make an extra point. Yeah, and he's an NFL kicker. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, like that's the thing is like, you know, like I, I think that when people f- were talking about Dan Bailey and they were talking about how he's you know, potentially one of the greatest kickers or, of all time or having a streak that's uh, one of the greatest kickers of all time. Like, you know, greatest of all time, right? That's when we didn't have to worry about the kicking situation. I, I, I think. Yeah, but there, there's, a, there's a certain. Obviously, you're not hoping that he's Dan Bailey, but you're hoping that he can make 85, 87% of his kicks. I mean, we're at the where he's at. Kickers can, though. I mean, you know, average is, I mean, he is right at average. So, like, I guess my point is. is I'm looking that up to see if he is at average. Go ahead, keep talking. You know, I think that, I think the, the point of this is, is that. Who are you, you may be able to get go out and get someone better or at least different in the way that they're missing the kicks, but I, I think that you know the idea that you could go out there and sign somebody on the street and not have to hold your breath when somebody kicks a football in a, in a NFL game is uh, that's that's not going to work. All right, so just kind of clearing this up: of kickers that kicked at least twenty field goals last year. Brett Maher made 80%. All right, so I give, he, it was a little better than I thought. However, 80%? Uh, that was, I thought it was like 83%. We're, no, it is 80% last year, 81, 80.6. Um, but that's still, you know, 24th in the league. You're looking at guys like like ranked 13th, 14th okay, that are making okay, 87%. Of those 24 kickers that are – 23 kickers that are better than him in the kicking field sure. position last year, by the way, in a, in a, in a game that – where kickers go up and down constantly, sure, right? Sure. How many of those kickers are available? Is Sebastian Janikowski available? Because no, that might be not. the only one. <laughs> he's not coming out of retirement. And I, and, uh, and, Matt and, Ryan, and frankly, only... you saw the last time he kicked, and do you want him kicking for you? No, no, no. It's uh, it's Matt Bryant. That's the only one. He finished third in the league in field goal percentage, ninety five percent, twenty of twenty one last year. Okay, but uh, so so the deal with 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 Matt Bryant is that again, this is kind of what I'm talking about. I, I I bet you get ninety per, plus percent on field goals from like forty yards in, forty five yards in, probably right. Uh, 
you are you are correct. He was a hundred percent on field goals that were right. inside of forty nine what, yards. What what's what is it above forty nine yards? Uh four or five last year. I see that's not bad. But I, I that's I not think bad. I, but, I, but here's his problem. I I'll, I'll tell you the problem why teams haven't signed Matt Bryant yet. Is he can't handle kickoffs. Yeah, anymore. and that's the other thing. You, and that, you have to hold another, another player to hold, hold kickoffs. So the thi- the thing is, is that it's there is no perfect like you know there's no perfect solution to the kicking problem at this point. You know, like it's it's all there's warts on all these guys. The the hope that the Cowboys are kind of leaning into at, at this moment currently is the idea that that. Mars gonna is gonna improve. He's gonna get better as the the preseason goes on. I don't know if that's true. I, I mean, maybe maybe it's not. But I know that any other kicker that you bring in here, like there is the savior is not is not out there. You know what I'm saying? Like the 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 other kicker that you bring in are gonna have warts too. If you want to bring him in for competition, I totally understand that. I totally get that. Let's do that. But I I also think that. That can be done two weeks before we play our first game. You know what That's I'm saying? Like, there's That's no fair. difference between doing that now and doing that then, other than you've now got your 36 or however old your kicker is going to be kicking the ball in training camp for two weeks unnecessarily, right. and you're carrying. You're probably still going to have to carry Redfern, right, as an extra as sure. an extra leg. So now you've got a now you're filling three spot. Uh, one, two, three, four spots. With kickers uh, and punters on your um, on your roster, so uh, you know all of that kind of figures into all of this. You know, I think it's yeah, not it's, as it's fair. not as straightforward as well, this guy's not a good enough kicker right now. Bring in another guy. It's like, well, who's out there? Is this person what is what is this person able to do? Can they kick off? Can they if they can't kick off? Can they make it above forty nine? And then suddenly it's like, well, do you want to take Mars' ability to really kick, you know, the long distance kicks very well for a guy who can't kick any long distance kicks. Uh, but sure. can, you know, so it's it, it's a di- sure. it's a it's a difficult equation. I think people are kind of reducing it down to it needs to be resolved by this or this or that. Uh, to me, it doesn't need to be solved right now. So I would rather let the guy let's give Mar all the rope he can to hang himself. You know, all the opportunity mm-hmm. he wants to, to either fix this or, you know, clearly state who, who he is. And then, uh, you know, if we need to make a move, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before week one, that's fine. But it's really not something that is like a high. It's not high on my list of things that need to be done in the next week or two. Yeah, Mar is really fascinating when you look at him. He was... Uh he was like third last year in extra point rate. Ninety-seven percent of his kicks were good, thirty-two or thirty-three. Uh, but he had the league's worst conversion rate on kicks from thirty to thirty-nine yards. I mean, that's the same exact distance that an extra point is. So, uh, listen, if you can ever get inside the mind of a kicker and understand what's going on there, uh, you'd, you'd be a billionaire because I don't. Nobody understands this position. It's just completely random. Uh, but we'll see what happens with the, with the Cowboys and Brett Maher, like you mentioned. We. It's, it's fair to assume that they're going to give him a lot of opportunities here over the next couple of weeks to, to kind of save his job. Real quick, last thing. Uh, real yeah, quick. go ahead. I think a, a large thing that somebody brought up on one of the DallasCowboys.com shows that I think is very, very viable here. 
th- this is a job that, unlike almost any other position, I think mentality makes a huge difference. You know, mm-hmm. and I think there's something clearly that they like about Brett Maher. So, uh, I, you know, th- I think there's there is something to the uh, argument of, hey, these guys know these guys better than we do. Uh, they may have a little bit better insight on some of it. That's fair. All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.